Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I go back to SmackDown from this past Friday talking about what was a amazing promo once again from Roman Reigns and got a little personal and a little heated. We talk about that. Also, we talk about the new face that runs the place in the women's division on SmackDown, and that might be Bianca Belair after her big win at the Royal Rumble on the road to WrestleMania 37 and coming off the heels of Super Bowl 55. How about this? Your former WWE 24-7 champion, Doug Flutie, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. You know, the respect that Roman wants to get from Edge. I, I Man, I, I really thought that was a phenomenal job by Roman Reigns once again on the microphone on Friday. Yeah, Roman has been money on the microphone and in the ring, no doubt. But there was something about that promo that stuck out to me way more than anything Roman had to say. And in my eyes, took Roman to the next level as far as being somebody that every talent in the WWE should truly fear. Something went on during that promo. Did you pick up on it? No. What was it? How how often in the past couple of months have we seen Roman Reigns raise his voice? He hasn't. Did he raise his voice in that promo? He did. Just like when I was saying, acknowledge me. He got angry. He's like, acknowledge me. He screamed, why would you make me wait? Right? Yep. It's not even about the fact that he raised his voice, though. That's not the part that made this promo so believable. It was Heyman's reaction. Did you see Paul scared shitless when Roman raised his voice. Yeah, he he legitimately was afraid when when Roman raised it. Kind of like when you're a kid and your your father would raise his voice at the dinner table. Uh Roman was questioning Haman before he raised his voice. And Paul thought that Roman was raising his voice at him. The fear that Heyman showed on his face, the body language, everything told me that I should be more afraid of Roman Reigns right at that very moment than I'd ever been uh, of him before. It's those little things that have Paul, and conversely, Jay, uh, Jimmy or Jay Uso. It, it was uh, it was Jay. It, I always get confused. Jay just standing there stoic, like this is old news. I I I my voice. I I've heard Roman raise his voice as much as I've heard my my own father, my uncles raise their voice to me. So Haman showing the sheer terror, 
and Jay standing there like, this is just business as usual for my family, gave us both ends of the spectrum of people reacting to Roman. And these men are doing work in the WWE that is light years ahead of anybody else when it comes to storytelling and delivering realistic promos. I, I don't know anybody. Honestly, in my in my opinion, the only thing that is that just recently start to come across as believable is the way Charlotte has been reacting to her dad and to uh, and to uh, yeah, Lacey, Lacey, Lacey Evans and her dad. Correct. Yes, I, and I agree with you, but I also agree with you, Bully, that this is on another level. Oh, like, a doubt. Uh, like you know what we're getting now. Our, our fans understanding why the WWE had so much confidence in Roman Reigns that they knew that this guy is capable of doing what he's doing right now. And if you really go back and watch what Roman was doing when people were booing him, I think you would appreciate what he was doing there just as well. Obviously, some of those things got into his head with the promos. Obviously, some of those things were from creative and were beyond Roman's control. But that guy could put on a match, and the fans didn't appreciate it. Case in point, WrestleMania 34 with Brock Lesnar. That match was, I thought, phenomenal, and the fans just rejected it. Go back and watch that match with another set of eyes, and I think you would appreciate it. But now you're seeing what Roman Reigns could do on the microphone. And, Bully, you're 100% correct. Like, I felt uncomfortable for Paul Heyman watching that promo on Friday night. Like, because I thought just like you, like that he's yelling at Paul because Paul Heyman, because of everything that happened. Again, very cool moment with Drew McIntyre on Monday Night Raw. Hey, you know, Edge is a a mentor. He He always helped me, gave me encouraging words. That's great. That's fine. That's dandy. That doesn't set up anything that I want to see in a match at WrestleMania. What I saw on SmackDown on Friday night, to me, and you could throw out your Finn Balors and NXT, I'm sorry. After watching that show on Friday night, I know the match I want to see at WrestleMania, and that's Edge challenging Roman Reigns for that Universal Championship. And make no mistake, anybody who understands this business will tell you that what Roman is doing on the microphone is considerably more important than what Roman is doing in the ring. In the ring is the end result. In the ring is, once you see that match happen in the ring, we've already got your money. Those promos are what allow you to put your hand in your pocket and give them your money. I want to see Roman do whatever it is that Roman is talking about on the microphone. That's how good they are. Yeah, this is this is Dusty Rhodes type of promo cutting. I'm not comparing Roman to Dusty. What I'm trying to say is when you have to walk them and talk them into the arena. Yeah, obviously we're talking about walking them and talking them onto the Thunderdome now. <laughs> yeah. There's nobody even close to Heyman and Roman right now. They are making it so interesting, so intriguing. 
um, just by the microphone work alone. And when you can have that kind of superior mic work, you only need one match. You don't need a bunch of matches. You need one great payoff match. And I believe that's what we'll get at WrestleMania. And, you know, and think about it, and Bully, and, and I want to get your take on it as well, because you know how to cut a promo, and you've done it in the ring in front of a live crowd. How difficult is it for Roman to do this with no crowd in attendance? Like, you know, you feed off the energy of a crowd. It do, it, does it help him in some ways? Does it control the narrative? Because, I, I, Bully, to be honest with you, I don't know what the crowd reaction would be for Roman if there was 15,000 fans in attendance so is is it helping him that there's no crowd or does that show you how great he's been because he's been able to do it in front of zero people two-part answer i can't tell you because i haven't done these promos in front of no people i have not i have decided not to come back until fans come back so I have not cut a promo or wrestled a match in front of an empty arena. It's just on my own personal choice. I believe that if Bully Ray is going to do something and it's going to mean something, it has to happen in front of a full uh, arena. But I would imagine that not having people in the arena makes it easier for Roman to get through his promos the way he wants, because you don't have anybody shouting all the stupid crap or the what or the trying to hijack the show or, you know, whatever it else there is. So the, the, the story is coming across on the microphone the way creative and the talent want to. I mean, I think of it, Dave. Uh, let's just take the what chant, for instance. A, a crowd doesn't need any real reason to start chanting what. Yeah. The, they'll they'll just do it just for the sake of doing it so they can take over a show or get themselves on TV. Now, imagine we're getting this great promo from Roman the other night with the reactions from Heyman, and there's what chants. Or there's, I don't know, boring chants because Roman is speaking so softly lately. I could definitely see that happening. You know, Roman comes out there and he goes... You know, Paul, um, I don't like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. People could just take the 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 tone and the decibel level of his voice and be like, ah, this is boring. Boring. And now you gotta deal with all that yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah. And I the mean, la- and the last thing that this is is boring. It's not. And you know what the other thing, and you've you've mentioned this uh multiple times, Bully, and I don't know if you would have been able to do it if there was a live crowd. And a lot of the things that you talked about where Roman is talking and he's not using the microphone. Like, you know, Heyman is talking and not using the microphone. Where it's like, all right, I can hear it. But I'm not supposed to hear it. That would have been complete. I don't think you would have been able to do that if there was 15,000 fans in attendance. You couldn't. And then you'd have to rely on um, handheld cameras to get close shots. And then you're definitely catering to the home audience. Yeah. Uh, Most of the time when you're shooting TV, you're catering to the people at home. You're not catering to the people in the arena. And if the people in the arena don't necessarily hear what's being said, it's not the end of the world because it's for the people at home watching TV. Um, You might be able to do it. Not sure, but I get your point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And maybe that might be the positive of what's going on right now is that, listen, a lot of times fans want to hijack. I had this discussion with my brother who's not a wrestling fan. I was trying to, I was trying to make him understand it, that the fans want what, the, when, what they want when they want it. I mean, I think there's a lot of examples of that. But if you let it play out, 
imagine what you're going to get on the other side. And I think we're getting that with Roman Reigns. And I don't know if the journey would have been the same, Bully, if there was fans in attendance. Because I can guarantee you, Bully, some of the things that you've been saying is 100% correct. I think with a lot of these promos, especially early on with Roman, you would have gotten the boring. You would have gotten the what chance. And that could have seriously affected the story that the WWE was trying to play out here on the road to WrestleMania 37. Dave, Dave, real quick. Think about when you're watching a movie like The Godfather, right? Yeah. You can't have any new noise in the room. You can't have the phone ringing or your wife talking or the kids playing in the background while you're watching The Godfather because sometimes Vito Corleone only spoke in a whisper, right? Yes. And you wanted to hear what he had to say. Same thing with Roman. Roman and Paul are are, are, are doing um, uh, um, uh, Hagen, Tom Hagen and Vito Corleone right now, and those men never raise their voice. So in order to hear what Roman and Paul are saying to each other, especially with Roman, you can't have any of that background noise. So I think the lack of fans is actually helping the situation. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession from olympic coaches to super bowl champions and everyone in between new episodes out every wednesday on the sirius xm app pandora and apple Podcasts. i i love the dynamic between sasha and bianca belair right now and i think bianca versus sasha is what fans are clamoring for because of the athleticism that that match could bring us and sasha will do uh, a world of good for Bianca, not athletically, but psychology and and how to work a good match. If you were to, uh, and, and here's here's an interesting uh, 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 assessment, I will say, you you know how I feel about Charlotte, but if I had my choice of who I want Bianca in the ring with, it's Sasha. I think Sasha is a better fit for Bianca. And I think that match will work if that's what we get. I think that's what we're going to get. Bianca, I, I, unless unless I missed it, Bianca didn't even mention like Io Shirai with NXT because we've noticed that Edge obviously went to NXT and went face-to-face with Finn Balor. And honestly, I, like you asked me about that that high plane when it comes to women's wrestling in the WWE right now. And you mentioned Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte. And you asked me about Asuka. And I can't put Asuka there right now because the way that she's been used over the last year, talent-wise, there's no doubt Asuka's on that level with those other women. But it's all about the presentation. And honestly, I, I don't Asuka and Bianca Belair isn't really anything I would be excited to see right now. Now, obviously, all it takes is a little work, and Asuka's right back where she was before. But honestly, as of right now, the only way is Bianca and Sasha. They're, they're, I, I totally agree. And you talked about how Sasha, you know, really helped put Bianca over in that promo. Did you happen to see Talking Smack last week? I did not. Or, or SmackDown Talk, whatever the hell the show is. It's, it's Talking uh, Smack. You're right. Yeah. Um, Heyman sat in front of Bianca Belair for like three, four minutes and just put her over to the moon. 
And I watched Bianca just sit there and smile and be happy and giddy. And with most of the things that Heyman does, I don't think the talent knows what Paul is going to say. Because Paul wants talent to react organically. And Bianca just stood there, sat there, and was smiled. And when Heyman was done putting her over to the moon, she just she did she just didn't know what to say. And I felt like I was watching that girl cry in the ring again. I want to see her maximize the opportunity. Like, after everything that Paul said, Bianca, you're the greatest in the world. Blah, 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 blah. I would have loved Bianca to just look at Paul and go, I know. (laughs) because that feels like the Bianca that we've seen on the way. I would have liked to have seen her do it in her cool little quirky way. Not get it, not being all caught up in the, Oh my God, I can't even believe I'm here. This is such a, yeah, we get it. And the reason I say this, Dave is I don't ever remember wrestlers ever acting this way. Like, I'm just happy to be here, as opposed to, I deserve to be here. I earned my right to be here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird with Bianca in the fact that you had uh, what she talked about after winning the Rumble and that in that tearful address uh, to the WWE Universe. And then you're seeing more of a, I guess the lack of a better term, a more humble Bianca Belair over the last week or so. Um, and that's not the Bianca Belair that we've gotten before the Rumble. But at the same time, Bully, look who she's going up against with Sasha. Sasha's not humble at all. Uh, and it, to me, it's an interesting dynamic because we know from doing this show, the fans love Sasha Banks. But there's some bite to Sasha Banks. So I mean, I don't think Sasha really gives a shit that the fans like her. Sasha knows how good she is, and she's going to show you how good. So maybe Bianca Belair is changing with the time. Maybe Bianca Belair, they hit on something with the fact that, you know what? She is happy to be here. She's grateful being here. And she's a little bit humble. Maybe this is the way they're going to go or the direction they're going to go with Bianca Belair because who she's going to step into the ring with. A humble person, really, in my opinion, a humble personality then cannot go out there and say I am the EST of everything in the WWE. But you because can be. You're the... But you can be because. But how the... can you be hungry? How can you say I'm the biggest, baddest, roughest, toughest, fastest in a humble way? That's a great. It's a great point. But I think emotionally, the fans have attached themselves to Bianca Belair because she has let them in. She has let them in as far as now knowing her story, the way she addressed it. I mean, you wouldn't get that kind of address from somebody like Sasha Banks, would you? Uh, say that we wouldn't get what from like, Sasha Banks, uh, like a humble Sasha Banks. Like, no, a thank I would at this at stage this stage of the game. I don't want to see a humble Sasha because that edgy, you, like you said, she's got a bite to her. That's what I want to see from Sasha. That's the reason I like Sasha. Sasha can talk that shit and back it up. That's why I dig her. 
Same thing with Bianca. So when I get Bianca twirling that ponytail and skipping to the ring and doing all that with that swagger, and now it's like, oh, I'm just happy to be here. And I know she never said I'm just happy to be here. I know. But like the, the crying at the end of the rumble and then Paul Heyman putting her over so much and her just being giddy about it. I want to see her look at Paul and go, I know Paul because I'm the EST and I'm going to put the EST in WrestleMania, whatever like that. Give me a little bit of that bite and that swagger back. Do it so when I when I hear you, I'm like, you damn right, girl. You are going to win that championship at WrestleMania as opposed to, all right, all right, I get it. You're, you're happy. You know, there's got to be a little bit more. I, I, I got to be something there. I get it, but but I will say this: with like we we've talked a lot this morning about Tom Brady. Now Tom Brady, when he's coming out of a huddle and when he's going up to that line, nobody looks more confident than Tom Brady. But when the game is over, you see Tom Brady with his kids. Tom Brady's acknowledging everybody on his team. He gets a little tearful, like he's he gets caught up in the moment, uh, you know. But at the same time, he is the greatest. He's the best. And he'll let you know on the field, but he's a little bit more humble off the field. Maybe that's the Bianca Belair we're getting right now because I will say this, Bully, it's working. Like, I I think Bianca Belair is becoming endearing with the WWE Universe. We're looking at her in a different way to the point where they could turn this as we get to WrestleMania, where they're cheering Bianca Belair and booing Sasha Banks. And I would have thought that would be impossible two or three months ago. You're going to have to pour some heavy steam on Sasha to get there. Let, let me pick out a moment in time that happened on SmackDown last uh, last week, and maybe this will help paint the picture of what I'm talking about. Remember when Bianca was in the ring and then Carmella walked in the ring? Carmella and Bianca face-to-face, and their heads were bobbing, and they were talking all kinds of smack to each other. That's the Bianca that I know and love. She's not just going to let Carmella come in there and, and, and you know get the best of her. She's going to bark right back. And that's what I want to see. If if you're going to give me this humble stuff that you're talking about, be very careful about how you're giving it to me. Because you have programmed me to know that Bianca Belair is this EST, you know, of the WWE. I know how Bianca Belair feels about herself. I've seen how she's looked at Charlotte Flair in the in the middle of a, of an NXT ring, and you don't even go here. How disre- she was incredibly disrespectful to Charlotte Flair, and still got a pop for it. Just be careful, in in my opinion, about making this girl too humble right now, because you just got me buying into this whole swagger gimmick, and and that you. But uh, yeah, you know what. Gabby, what is your opinion on this? Um, I 100% see where you're coming from, Bully, like when you plot it out that way. For me, I see confidence as a way of she can talk whatever she wants to say. She's the best whatever. And then actions are what's going to prove everything. You know what I mean? So when Sasha comes out and she's kind of pushing at her like, oh, you say you're the best, all that, but you didn't beat me. Okay, so those are the words. So I think Bianca saying I'm this, this, and this, she proved it by winning the Royal Rumble, right? Because now she is the best or whatever. So I think 
it's okay for me to see her a little real and to see her parents like reacting to her winning that won me over her dad falling off the chair. I was like, Oh my God. Like, I think you need the relatability because if she's just talking and talking and saying she's the best and all this shit, and she's not making herself authentic, how do you as a fan buy into her? Cause she's so new and she hasn't proven what Sasha's proven yet. I think she needs to come down a little bit to the authenticity and I don't mind it bully because she's backing up what she's saying by winning so far. And to your point, what made Sasha authentic? When did we ever see Sasha come out of her, come out of her comfort zone or what she ever was like we're seeing Bianca do? I think Sasha's kind of state. She just proves it by winning, right? I think it, she's the same person she but has But she loses as much as she wins. So my right. point is, we've never seen Sasha come out. I don't even know the right ter- terminology, like come out of her face. So I don't even know if that's the right term. We've always seen Sasha is the same way now as she was from right. day one. Charlotte, same way now, day one. Yeah, Bailey's going a little bit of outside of the box with this new quirky character. But for the most part, I got a Bianca Belair who thought she was the greatest greatest thing since sliced bread and now i'm getting a little bit of i'm just happy to be here but you know what though to point to, to gabby's point and the one word that i hang on which i completely agree with is real like gabby said she's re- like sasha's not we know the sasha we're seeing is not real you know the becky that we're seeing is not real the charlotte that we're seeing is not real bianca belair this is real like you know we're seeing uh, this, you know, you know how we get a lot of the Charlotte haters that say, well, she's not relatable. Well, Bianca is now relatable. She worked her ass. She, she pushed herself to the limits and now she's getting this opportunity. She made the most of the opportunity. And even though she's grateful, she's like, I, I know that there's still more to accomplish. Now I got to go on to WrestleMania. Like she, like Gabby mentioned, her parents, you know, anybody that was ever an athlete could relate to that. The, the pride that their parents feel when they accomplish something. Uh, this, to me, this is real. I, I like what they're doing. I'd rather see the humble Bianca and see this emotional side to Bianca than the fake, like, you know, EST. There's still have the confidence, but not over the top, top confidence where it seems like it's more of a character than, and a personality right. than somebody who's a real human being. So in having this discussion, um, I, I, I'm going to look at this from a different point of view of what is allowing fans to love Bianca a lot more other than the surface value of she won the rumble, yada, yada. I don't know if it's the humbleness as much of her showing that she was vulnerable. And it was that piece that, you know, she showed where she was suffering from anxiety and depression. Yes. Yeah. When, when you are able to admit that you are able to admit that you're vulnerable and you might've been weak for a moment. And I think a lot of people, uh, today can relate to that. So for me in having this discussion, I think it's her allowing herself to be strong enough to admit the vulnerability than it is the humbleness. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Gabby, what were you going to say? I was just going to say like in general too, if Sasha wasn't so good at what she does, you would hate her. If she wasn't good in the ring, you would hate as a character. I don't like her. If, as a female, I don't want to hang out with Sasha because she's overly confident. And guess what? She can back it up. But you, 
you could easily hate her. I'm sorry. You just love her because she's so good at what she does. But if she wasn't good on the mic and she wasn't good in the ring, you would hate the character of her because she's, she's overly a, confident. She's a heel at heart. She's a heel at heart, 1,000%. I can't hate. I cannot hate Bianca because her over the top of what she is is confidence to me. And that's somebody I'm like, I want to be that confident. I would hang out with Bianca over Sasha. As a female, that's who I would rather see and I would support and be like, you know what? I want her to get the win. So that's where I see the difference too. I think you could hate Sasha. I can't see you hating Bianca now. Okay, cool. But also too, I guess this goes back to our Charlotte conversation because a lot of people think the same thing about Charlotte where it's like she's a heel. She's got all the aspects of a heel, all the personalities of a heel, but yet they present her on TV like she's a baby face. And maybe that's some of the disconnect as well. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Doug Flutie. Sir, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Had a blast this week down in Tampa, doing playing games, having fun, doing a little cornhole flag football, and uh, winning the... WWE 24-7 championship. What is that like for you to be a former WWE world champion now, Doug? I, I, it's pretty darn cool. You know, I saw my moment. I went for it. We were at a flag football game. We're all hanging out. And uh, our truth was on my, my team. So I kind of caught him by surprise. And it just happened. And then, of course, I get locked back into the game. And I'm working on snaps on the sideline. And then he surprises me. And actually, the belt was on my shoulder, swung around, popped me in the mouth, got a bloody lip and a bloody nose out of it. But it was all well worth it. Well, I appreciate that because knowing that you're going to be on Busted Open this morning, that's grid free promotion for us. So I appreciate you didn't have to do that. But thank you. You're welcome. I, you know, we got we got to go full tilt. We got to bust it all open. <laughs> All right. We get, before we get into the game, let's talk about the podcast. And, you know, I know you're going to be talking football on the podcast. I know you're a big surfer. You're going to be talking about that music. Like, what kind of music are you listening to lately? We're, we're a classic rock band. You know, we've been a cover band for 35 years. And I've got some really talented guys with me. And I'm a hack drummer. But we have had a blast doing that for years. Had a chance to play with a lot of big name acts. Been on stage with, uh, you name it. The band Boston, guys from Bon Jovi, guys from Aerosmith, open for Leonard Skinner and Marshall Tucker. We've done wow. a lot of fun things with the band. So that's been a lot of fun. Doug, the what podcast you in general, the podcast in general is me sitting down with quarterbacks and talking quarterback stuff. Like not just straight X and O's, but you know, the way we think and the things that go on in a game situation, the things that are you can't really teach, you know, guys that are instinctive when you watch Pat Mahomes, some of the subtle little things he does. Uh, I had Jim Kelly and Brett Favre this week, and um, it's just so much fun to talk with those guys when you talk football. And then again, hit the off-the-field experiences for both of us. What did you think of the game last night, and was it the outcome that you expected? It was the outcome I was hoping for. I thought that Kansas City deserved to be favored. Uh, stopping Patrick Mahomes is no joke. And it was just amazing what the Tampa Bay defense did. I expected what I saw of Tom Brady, high percentages, uh, be efficient, 
do what it takes to win a game. And then uh, the, the Tampa Bay defense really stepped up. So I, I was hoping for that outcome. I thought it could happen. I didn't know if it was just uh, me, me playing favorites towards Tom but uh, and, and having my biased opinion of Tom. But uh, sure enough, he went out and just was methodical again. Yeah, and one th- a discussion that Bully and I were having before you joined us, and, and it's something that I think a lot of fans have been experiencing, especially during this reign that Tom Brady has had, which has been unbelievable, historical, is about mm-hmm. greatness hate. Do you think a lot of people hate on Tom Brady because he's so damn great? Well, that's what ha- what happens is when they're young, you're cheering for the guy. Like right now, Patrick Mahomes. If Mahomes goes through a streak where he wins six Super Bowls, there comes a point where people start rooting against him. It's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the best ever, winning championships. And then so then, then people start rooting against them. Um, I, it, maybe it's jealousy. I don't know what it is. I just, for me, it's a, a personal relationship with Tom that I just keep pulling for him no matter what. But um, what I love about this one more than anything is with New England, everybody kept saying, oh, he's cheating. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're the big bad, you know, the the evil empire up there in New England. Um, This was, hey, 43 years old, go to a new team, no offseason, no practicing, no preseason games. Let's go. Give me the ball. Let's start playing. Tom just takes them all away. Wow. So, so, Doug, in your opinion, is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback to ever play the game? Hands down. Hands and, down. But, but uh, when, yeah, when, has, when you know, was he? When did he become the greatest quarterback to ever play? Because it's not last night. No. No, it was well before. This, this one just makes everyone stupid that tries to argue the opposite. <laughs> this is yeah, – yeah, this is uh, – he, he um, probably after about four – Probably after, you know, consecutive Super Bowls and it just, you know, and think of the games he lost now. Think of the games. He's lost three Super Bowl games. He threw for 500 against Philadelphia and he got beaten the last seconds by the Giants um, twice on ridiculous catches that could, you know, didn't have to happen. He potentially could have won all 10. Yeah, I mean, the ref should have blew the whistle on Eli Manning. He was definitely in the grasp. That's, it still drives me crazy. But anyway, <laughs> when it comes to Tom Brady, because you said you, you root for the man Tom Brady, what's the, what, what's the one thing about Tom Brady that you know that most fans wouldn't know about somebody like Tom Brady? My favorite thing about Tom is, how, and I guess I don't know that everybody doesn't know it, but my favorite thing is that he makes everyone on your team feel like you are the reason we're winning. You know, the, the guy that is on the scout team that gave him a good look that day, he bumps into him in the training room and says, hey, great look today. Thanks so much. Hey, we need that same look tomorrow. For, you know, we've got third down packets going in tomorrow. We need a really good look at it out of you in the second. Things like that. Wrapping his arms to, around everybody, to, trying as hard as he can to deflect the attention off of him and on the other guys around him. Um, his work ethic, I used to laugh, you know, we, we would meet in, I don't know, 6 a.m., get get to the facility, uh, go, get a quick workout in and get our breakfast, have a 7.15 meeting. And I roll out of bed at 5.30, pull on my sweats, barefoot, jump in the car and get there. You know, just in time. Tom walks in the locker room at 6 a.m., immaculately dressed, you know, designer jeans, hair just right, pashmina around the neck, 
I just, you know, it, it just, it amazed me. You know, he's meticulous. We played golf together. He had started working on a new swing and he goes out and shoots actually an even par round through 16 holes on 17 and 18. He double bogeyed. He mishit his drives. He's all ticked off. On 18th green, he's calling his swing instructor, goes straight from the 18th tee over to the practice ring and or practice tee and, and starts working on his swing. And it just he's a perfectionist. Uh, Doug, what's he like in the huddle? What type of motivator is he like in the huddle? Does he just call the plays or does he talk to the guys and, and, and get on them a little bit if they're not doing their job? You know, I don't know about – the uh, the coaching aspect it happens on individual plays when there is a specific play it might be a new play that week and he'll draw attention to someone and remind them of what what we're looking for but he it's his calm demeanor it's a, the calmness that he brings to the huddle to a pressure situation to a two minute drive to whatever it might be fourth down plays. He does not change. Now, he gets fiery and lights, not lights people up, but draws attention to the problem. You know, and a lot of times that's after a play or walking towards the sideline or uh, as he's entering the sideline area. Not so much in the huddle. In the huddle, I've always seen him so cool, calm, and collected, and he's a calming voice in the huddle. Um, and if he, what amazes me and almost drives me nuts when he goes into a two-minute situation – he wastes a little bit of time being methodical just to keep everybody calm and do it the right way. Where I'm sprinting, I'm, I'm yelling the protection line. I'm sprinting to the left side, telling the left side what they're running, the right side what they're running, and then getting, you know, getting the ball hat in a hurry. I'm like um, buzzing around. He's just standing up straight, methodically walking, talking to individuals. And it, it's, it's an amazing thing to see because it's the same way in the fourth quarter of a game or Super Bowl as it is early in the game. You know, Doug, obviously the Bucs had the, the, the Super Bowl season, but the Bills came back in a big way this year as well. Got to go back to when you were quarterbacking for the Bills when they had that much success. Big comeback for you after playing in the CFL. Um, talk about those seasons that you had with Buffalo and the success that you brought to that team and, you know, playing in one league and then have to going back to the NFL. Yeah, so much fun. I had a blast playing in Buffalo. And what it what happened was I played in the NFL for five years, kind of lost my confidence a little bit, had an eight-year run in Canada. And what happened was I understood what I did well and what I didn't do well and regained my confidence. And when I came to Buffalo, I focused on the things that I did well. And I knew I, had, I voiced my opinion a little more in the offense and, and things that I could do. And I had a lot more confidence. That team was so much fun. In fact, I played the flight football game the other day with Andre Reed. We had a blast. Um, Eric Mulch was my primary guy that just had an unbelievable couple of years there. Um, I just walked into a situation where we had a really good defense and they needed a guy to kind of pull together on offense and get them going. And I was just wheeling. and I played so much more relaxed. You know, it was later in my career. I was a veteran. I was in Buffalo. I had a good team around me, and I just played so much more relaxed, and I had a lot of talent around me. Thurman Thomas was still in the backfield. Eric Molds and Andre Reed at receiver. A really good defense. It, it, I, you know, so much fun. And we've all kind of reconnected in the last few years, too, so that's even more enjoyable for me. Doug, you said you lost your confidence, and that actually intrigues me. How and why did you lose your confidence? 
what happens in the NFL, especially if for me at that time in the late eighties, um, I'm trying to please coaches. I'm trying to do it their way. I'm trying to take precision drops, throw time, all timing routes, get rid of the ball, front side to backside reads. And sometimes, you know, for me at my size, you can't, I, I, I realized up in Canada, I had to keep my separation from the offensive line. So what happens is you try to do it that way. You have these games where you're, you're frustrated. You're, it's hard to complete a pass sometimes. Um, what I found in Canada was my, the key for me was drifting away from the rush and keeping my distance, much like Patrick Mahomes does. He doesn't take precision drops all the time because he feels the pressure, feels the rush, and you keep that separation so you can use some athleticism to get away or just throw off balance. I was very good at throwing, falling away and off balance. I could do the arm angles and all that and still make the throws. So it was very important for me to keep that separation. So what happened was I started finding out Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Quit trying to please the coaches so hard. And I actually had a uh, the conversation this week with Brett Favre about that stuff on the podcast. Brett felt the same way. They kept trying to change him. You know, when are you going to stop uh, falling away? When are you going to stop throwing off your back foot? And he never did. He never did. He, and that's why he was great. And what's really interesting about your answer is it, I can relate it to pro wrestling because sometimes the the creative uh, team wants a wrestler to be um, a vision of what they want and what the wrestler you know just can't do and not and cannot be. And it's only once the wrestler takes it into their own hands and goes off script that you truly see their greatness. So uh, you know you know we need Flutie to get out of the pocket and be able to see over the offensive line but yeah. here you are trying to stick to what the creative people thought was best for you and it just didn't work and it works it's that way in every aspect whether it's radio whether it's tv whether it's your job you've got to be you you're you know when you're trying to learn to do things the way other people want it done you know they can find a thousand people to do that to be a robot and go do it exactly as they think. And uh, you've got to bring your individuality to it. And more than your individuality, it's you being relaxed and you doing what you do well and put yourself in a position to be successful. And, you know, I think I learned it a little too late. I wish I had understood that earlier, um, but eventually it came around and, and I had some really good years. I mean, 20 years as a professional athlete through the USFL, CFL, and the NFL. I mean, just a, an amazing career. Again, the name of the podcast is Flutie Flakecast, and it's interesting, like you said, the quarterback talk, but also talking a little bit about your own personal interest and in music and things like that. That drops every single Wednesday on the SiriusXM app. Doug, again, you know, Bully and I are looking forward to being guests on your show, but, you know, I'm sure you're going to be asking us to be on at some point because you want Absolutely. those ratings. Absolutely want those ratings to go up yeah but also, we, need, we need we need someone for brett Favre to make fun of when you got you know no but seriously congratulations and uh awesome having you as part of the serious xm family thank you thank you so much it's a blast hey everyone this is former nfl linebacker and current serious xm nfl radio host kirk morrison and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast total coverage 
Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Kudos to the NFL. And now I'm very, very excited about what that stadium is going to look like in two months for WrestleMania 37. Because I thought the NFL bully did a phenomenal job with that stadium last night. Looked great, sounded great, awesome job by the NFL. And after last night, I have very high hopes for WrestleMania uh, in Tampa. Um, Was there a final number on how many fans they let in? Was it 30,000 last night? I I heard it was just over 25,000 in the stands. And then there was, you know, they had the owner's boxes as well. Um, So, yeah, probably between 25 and 30,000, you know, fans at capacity. And then they had the cardboard fans and, you know, fans paid 100 bucks to have their cardboard cut out in the stands to get on TV. Um, Interesting way to do things. I kind of like that. So I'm very, very excited to see what the WWE is going to do because when it comes to the NFL, it's more about the game than the pageantry about what, the, what the stadium looks like. Uh, Cause they have the colors for the, for the super bowl and they make that look that way. When it comes to, to WrestleMania bully, the, the boy, the WWE does a phenomenal job of decorating that stadium. Uh, and you know, this bully MetLife stadium in Jersey very gray and dull. Why? Because both the Jets and the Giants play there, so they had to have neutral colors. But when the WWE had WrestleMania 29 at MetLife Stadium with the Statue of Liberty and the bridge, it looked it looked st- stunning. And then the big and then the big screen TV that they had at WrestleMania 35. I'm interested. So I'm wondering if they go the same route as the NFL, maybe have those cardboard cutouts at, as well um, at WrestleMania 37. Uh, I think the WWE will blow away what the NFL did when it comes to the production for WrestleMania because when you, in many ways, WrestleMania has become bigger than the Super Bowl in many ways, shapes and forms. And when you see that stadium and what WWE is able to transform it into, it really is larger than life. And I think they're going to go out of their way this year to present a two-day WrestleMania that not only will hopefully give us some great in-ring action, but will be pleasing to the eye and and, and give us some hope, just like the NFL gave us some hope last night also. You know, 25,000 people in a stadium is a lot more than we were getting, you know, 10 weeks ago or whatever it was. So now if the NFL can do it, the WWE can do it, we move forward. Looking, uh, um, I'll be looking forward to to a good WrestleMania this year. Uh, yeah, and I think they will do a good job, and I'm excited just to hear, like, because there were times in that game that you wouldn't, you completely forgot that that was only about twenty five thousand people. We used to having about eighty thousand. It's going to be the same thing for WrestleMania. It's going to be interesting how they do it as well, because you can fit more fans in for WrestleMania than you can the Super Bowl because of the field. You know, you can cover the field with seats, so it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see. Honestly, when they were showing the crowd shots, you couldn't tell who were the real fans and who weren't the real fans because of those cardboard cutouts. So I'm wondering if uh, if the WWE will do the same thing because one thing Stephanie McMahon did say is they were going to kind of follow the lead of the NFL. So 
I, I'm, I'm interested to see if we're going to see on WWE.com them selling uh, cardboard cutouts that you could have at WrestleMania 37 for two nights. Why not? It worked for the NFL, and you know how wrestling fans are. They're, they're rabid about the product. I could see them doing it. I think the WWE should have uh, cardboard cutouts of every Hall of Famer that was ever inducted randomly placed <laughs> yeah. throughout, the, uh, throughout the entire stadium. And, like, and then if you want to Maybe people want to pay an upgraded ticket if they want to sit with the Andre the Giant cardboard cutout. Or maybe they want to play pay bargain basement prices like, you know, on sale slash cut 50%, 90% off if they want to sit with me and Devon. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I, I think that it's actually a great idea because don't forget, we're WrestleMania 36. The WWE was blindsided. I mean, this pandemic hit hard in March, just weeks before WrestleMania 36. And then Vince McMahon was still fighting with the fact whether they were going to have it at the stadium or not. And then obviously wasn't able to do it and had it at an empty performance center. WWE has time now. They, you know, they have the gift of time to think creatively how they're going to present their product in two months. So I am excited for what we're going to see in April. Why don't you go to WrestleMania this year? What's that? No, I'll watch it. Why don't it we go? Why don't we go? Come no, on, I'll let's watch go. It at home. You get Why? me a ticket? You get me a free ticket? I can get you in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if I get you a ticket, you're going to go? No, because then there's this whole thing, which, I, you know, am I going to oh, be able to come God. back to Jersey? I'll watch oh, it at home. Dear. Yeah, you can come back to Jersey. It's not a problem. Why wouldn't you be able to get back to Jersey? I know. There's travel restrictions. No, there's not. From Florida to Jersey? No, zero. All right, we'll have to have this discussion later on about this. All right, uh, there are people that want to talk about the stadium and how it could possibly look for WrestleMania. Let's go to Angel in Puerto Rico. What's going on, Angel? What's up, Mr. Manos? Buenos dias. Hope you're great. We're great, man. So, sounds great. Way to start off a week. So after Super Bowl last night, I enjoyed and loved the weekend's halftime show, and I loved the possibility of – having an awesome WrestleMania just based off how big and how creative WWE can be. And actually, funny enough, Bully asking you if you would go, I would actually fly from Puerto Rico to go just based on the experience. And because I want to hear Edge's theme song blasting all around with that match or the championship. Yeah, you know, Angel, and thanks for the phone call. Obviously, Bully, when we talk about WrestleMania, you start thinking about WrestleManias of the past and things we took for granted. Um, you know, we took for granted being around, you know, 80,000 other wrestling fans and just having uh, a celebration. Um, and we always talked about when it came to WrestleMania, Bully, is that it's not just about um, what goes on with the WWE on that Sunday. And obviously it's different because it's two nights. And I think they're just doing that this year for two nights and then come next year, they're going back to the one night, but it's always about the whole week, the anticipation, the raws, the indie shows. I really, this pandemic, obviously aside because, you know, the pandemic is obviously a big influence of what's happened last year. And this year, I still think WrestleMania would have been very, very different even if it wasn't for COVID and the pandemic. And the reason I say that is that with AEW, you know, some of the big shows to me that I look forward to were some of the shows outside of of the WWE. And with AEW signing a lot of that indie talent that we were used to seeing WrestleMania week, I still think WrestleMania would have been a, a little bit different than years prior. In what way? Because I always felt like, 
you know, with the Ring of Honor shows, you know, seeing Cody, seeing the Bucks, you know, seeing Kenny Omega, seeing a lot of those wrestlers. Well, now they're a part of AEW, and AEW doesn't said they were not going to run shows WrestleMania week. So a lot of that talent that you were used to seeing WrestleMania week with other organizations, you weren't going to see, you know, come WrestleMania week. And if you don't have talent like Cody or the Bucks or the Kennys of the world that you're used to seeing, that leaves spots open for up-and-coming talent for you to see. So if you're going to support independent wrestling, what better way to support them by going to see the no-names? You know, Dave, remember back in the day when uh, we went to go see a headlining band and a, and, a, and a band was opening for them that we didn't really know, and then all of a sudden you saw that no-name band, and you're like, wow, I want to go buy this, you know, this band CD or learn more about them. Perfect opportunity for younger wrestlers. And I think because wrestling, uh, WrestleMania is in Florida, and with Florida being uh, a little bit more, uh, a lot more open than most states, that you will see some of those indie shows, and you will be able to see some of these performers that you normally wouldn't be able to see. That's why I really think that once the world opens up again and we have more of these shows... Uh, and you're seeing little by little some of these indie shows cropping up. If if you saw, like, you know, Mission Pro Wrestling had a show, and there was some LaGreca heads thanks to Rodney Garza at the shows as well. I don't know if you saw the picture of Thunder Rosa kissing my head, but it was definitely a highlight for me this past weekend. But I digress. Um, I, I really think, Bully, that you're going to see that resurgence of indie wrestling when we get to the other side of this. Because you have the WWE, you have AEW. But then there's going to be, like you just said, a lot of names that you've really only been reading about or seeing on social media. And now you're kind of excited about seeing some of these names live and act. I really think that once we get past this, there's going to be a resurgence in indie wrestling. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.